Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 58. Today I wanted to talk about the concept of acceptance as it's something I've I've really only come on board with in a, like the past year or so. It only took me 38 years of living <laughs> <laughs> to achieve acceptance. Um, so it kind of as context for that, like so previously for the previous 38 years of my life, like if something went wrong, I would feel that if only I had anticipated the possibility of that thing going wrong, I could have prevented it. So that means I've spent my whole life trying to control life by constantly living in the future so that I can, yeah, predict the bad things that might happen so I can prevent the bad things that might happen. And people might think, my God, you're such a control freak. But here's the thing. There is actually a really positive feedback loop going on there because 99% of the things that I have worried about and tried to prevent have not happened. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So it's easy to see how we can keep thinking we can control the future because we kind of can to a degree. But then, of course, Lots of other unforeseen things happen and those things have always, always sent me into quite a tailspin. So in the past year, and I'm pretty sure this podcast had a lot to do with it, I have learned to accept that while I do have control over the future to a certain degree, constantly living in the future doesn't actually make for a very good life. Mm. And I've kind of learned to accept that shit will happen no matter how much of a control freak I am about you know, predicting what will and won't happen. But yeah, I was on a run the other day and I was kind of thinking about this nice place that I have, you know, reached of, you know, acceptance and accepting things for how they are rather than how, how I want them to be. And I thought, mm. this is this is kind of a double-edged sword because it's potentially very freeing to be able to roll with the punches of life. But there's also an element, do you think, of giving in you know, where you go, oh, you know, it is what it is. And where people kind of accept something that's actually not that great and is actually something they could be, they could have an influence over if they had the wherewithal to do it. Yeah, I do. I mean, taking out instances where people are accepting of things that are really bad for them or, you know, really negative relationships and things like that, taking out those instances, I kind of feel like, they're two sides of the same coin. You know, for me, there is a certain level of peace in accepting that some sucky things just suck, Yeah, you know, (laughs) and kind of railing against that, even if technically I might be able to do something about them. Like it's a matter of weighing up the cost. Yes. You know what I mean? Of, of, of what's worth, my you know my my output my energy or time output to fix and what's not but overall I find the 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 idea of acceptance a really freeing one in general uh I I think as a kid I really was incredibly overwhelmed by the idea that people may have a different perception of me than what's true like if someone just didn't like me it happens like people just don't like you sometimes and I learned that as a kid quite young 
and found that incredibly hard. And I, I kind of battled with it all through my teen years of if I work hard enough to get someone to see the real me, they'll really like me. And yeah. then, you know, they'll see that I'm, I'm I can worth- convert them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what I found almost invariably is that it wasn't that great a fit anyway. But, uh, you know, even if I did convert someone to liking me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like I've won, I've won that now. And now I don't, I don't care so much, but I think I learned from a fairly young age, specifically from my mum actually. And it's something that I'm very grateful for. She told me from, I don't know, I might've been like eight, nine, ten years old. She's like, sometimes people just aren't going to like you. And that's, there's not a lot you can do about that. And while that was a specific lesson, I actually took it and broadened it out over, over the years to, uh, to mean that sometimes there's just nothing you can do about things. Or if there is, it is so exhausting and not worth your time to convince, for example, this person that they should like you. Uh, so I kind of, I've never, like I wrestle with it, but it's not something that affects me in, a, in such a negative way anymore to a point now where I'm fairly accepting of things and it's a really nice light place to be. And I, I think I used to think that it was going to be a heavy place to be kind of slumping around with the knowledge that people don't like me and there's nothing I can do about it. And that sucks. Now it's more like, Oh, okay, that's fine. It is what it is. And I'm kind of quite um, Zen about it. Yeah. I think that, and yeah, so yeah. Here you go. no, no, no. So I, I feel really, 95% of my <laughs> approach to to acceptance is one of freedom, I think. Not so much you. Yeah, well, the thing is, so in the last year, I have certainly found freedom in the acceptance. Yeah, in accepting yep. things for how they are because, yeah, that, that's been the big shift that I've made. I've, I've always found a lot of frustration and not anger, but, yeah, more frustration at, this is how things are, but here's how things could be if sure, I, yeah. you know, put a lot, you know, put all the effort into it. But yeah, I think it's an important distinction that you make there is just how much energy are you willing to give to things? Because this is this has always been my problem. Like I've been willing to give unlimited energy to the pursuit of having things be the, exactly the way that I want them to be, mm-hmm. but to the point of you know how much. Have I been able to, like, I haven't been able to switch off. Yeah. And this is all I've known. So, like, it's not like I look back on life and go, oh, I've led an unhappy life because I certainly, certainly haven't. But what I've led is a life where my brain has never really ever stopped. And even Ant said to me the other day, he's like, is your brain, <laughs> are you ever not thinking? And I was, I just kind of looked at him and went, um, no. Like, what do you do if you're not thinking? <laughs> I can't, this doesn't, like, I, this isn't computing. Yeah. What's going on? I, I, I did not understand the question at all. Um, <laughs> just, just like in, in any way, shape or form because it's all I've ever known. But what I have, what acceptance has it let me do, it's allowed me to quieten, like, my brain a little bit. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it allow it to meander along a little bit as opposed to, like, okay, if this goes there and then that goes there and then, if I do this then and if he does that, then everything's going to be easy. And I think that's the mm-hmm. problem is a lot of my thinking that I have done in the past has been to make life easier and that thinking has made life easier. So when I think ahead to Saturday and I know it's going to be a rainy day on Saturday, so 
We're not going to be able to go to the beach in the morning like we like to, but we need to get the kids out. So, and they have a run because then if they have a run, then me will have a sleep that afternoon and then I'll be able to have some downtime. So while people go, oh my God, like that's exhausting. I can't believe you're thinking about Saturday now, but I do because I'm kind (laughs) of looking forward to like that downtime that I'm going to have on Saturday where I get to chill out for two hours while Mia has a sleep. But am I better off just chilling out like right now? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) No, I don't know. I I mean, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule because I think there are other times where we – we see something that, that doesn't sit right and we don't want to accept it and we don't want to be okay with it and we fight bloody hard to, to turn it around or to make a change, you know. And I, I, think, I think either being 100% in either, in either camp could be very problematic. You know, yeah. if you're so go with the flow that you end up finding yourself swept along on things that you don't agree with or that you don't want to be a part of, that's problematic. But then if you spend all of your time rallying against everything because it's not exactly how you want it. That's also problematic. You know, I think it's, it's got to be a balance between not trying to control everything, uh, you know, not trying to, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite an idealist. And this is something that when you were talking before, I, I can recognize in myself, like I, there are, there are certain elements to society and things that I see. I'm like, if only everyone yes. thought like me, everything would be great. <laughs> you know, if everyone saw the same, but I know I, I'm, I'm also you know, much more of a realist than I used to be because I understand that not everyone gives a crap about the things that I do and not everyone has had the same experiences and not everyone believes things to be the same way that I do or thinks that benefits are benefits and, you know, problems are problems. So I understand that a lot more now. And with that, I think, with that kind of more open-mindedness, I am much more accepting of the fact that sometimes things will not be the way that I think they should be in order to be their best. They just will be how they are. Yeah, but I, I think that it can be problematic if we just – if we don't ever stand up for things. Yeah. You know, if if we don't ever put ourselves out but there. Because and- if, if nobody ever stood for anything, the world would be a bit screwed, wouldn't it? And that's actually this right. raises an interesting kind of tension that, say, like I have with my brother because my brother is – like I'm an idealist, he's an idealist, but we go about our idealism in a very different way. So he – I go about it in what I consider to be a more positive way in that I focus on what's Mm -hmm. good about the world and I try to boost the goodness in the world. But, you know, so I see my contribution to wider society as, okay, I can't fix this endemic systematic problem that we've got going on over here. But what I can do is raise empathetic, compassionate, confident children who will then go on to be nice people and make the world a better place in that way. So that's kind of how yeah. I come at it. And I think like, okay, how, you know, and then I write on my blog about helping people find space in their lives to both, you know, achieve what they want to while still having time to be like, you know, be more present with their families. And I feel like I'm helping the world in that way because if I just, you know, my idealism is like if people have the capacity to be their best selves, then we, we're all able to help the world in a way that, you know, that is easy for us but also makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way my brother yeah. comes at it is everything's a bit shit and we all ignore the shit stuff and um, people need to be told what's, what's wrong with the world yeah. and people need to be aware of all these things that are going on. And I'm kind of like, well, I understand all these things are happening 
But if I give too much thought to all those things, and if certainly if I go and make it my life's work to try and fix these huge, massive societal problems, mm. I'm stuffed. Like, Yeah, I think my, my tendency when I'm faced with that, that kind of, hey, everything sucks or, you know, all these things suck, I turn immediately to fatalism. Yes. I'm like, well, I can't do, I can't, what can I do? I can't do anything, which which is the negative side yes. of acceptance, you know, yes. and I think that that's where the the balance needs to be struck. You know, I think if we, we, we look at these huge issues and we're faced with someone like your brother, for example, who's like, well, this is all terrible and you need to be aware of it. I'm like, I'm aware of it and I can't do anything about it, you know, whereas I think boosting the good or, or spending time or energy on promoting or, or talking about or introducing ideas that are, you know, the antithesis of, of the of the bad stuff that's going on is a much more, it's practical, first of all, and it's accessible. Uh, and it, it still allows us that, that level of balance between acceptance and, and action. Yeah. Mm. And that's it. And I mean, I don't want to you know, I don't want to say to my brother, you're doing it wrong, even though I do no, say it to not. him all the time. No, but, but, but I mean, I think they need, like, there's room for both, both approaches. I think sometimes we do need someone to yell at us and go, hey, aren't you guys paying attention? Like what's going on over here, you know? Uh, and that's where I think activism can come into it. It can really put people's noses out of joint sometimes, but sometimes we need to hear it. But I also don't think that's the only way. Yeah, and I think the world... I think the world needs to have needs to have activists and needs to have the people who are willing to make a ruckus and the willing people who are willing to put their hands up and go, this is not cool and you guys need to yeah look here and look here now. Mm. But I think it also needs probably people like us as well. And it probably I think I feel if the world was filled with activists, it would then no one would listen because everyone was everyone being would just be noisy. Yelling at each other. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know on balance the world needs. As a rule, people like us who are going, okay, I'm accepting that there's a lot of stuff in the world that is not ideal, which is hard for an idealist, mm. but, you know, accept that at that level and go, okay, what are the things that I can do to make a, a world a better place, you know, in my kind of, in my own sphere? How can I influence my friends more positively? How can I influence them to have more open minds? How can I raise open-minded children? How can I change how my partner approaches certain things? We all have so much more influence than we think. And then, yeah, those people that are making a ruckus, we definitely need them as well. Because I do catch myself sometimes, like, you know, people that, you know, really outspoken feminists who get like right up about everything. Sometimes I catch myself going, oh, look, I'm a feminist too, but if we just... If you're going to get angry about everything, no one's ever going to listen to us. But what I've come to realize is the people who kind of have a total non-acceptance stance for things and they operate at the highest possible level of non-acceptance, what they allow for is the people who are operating at a slightly lower level, they allow those people to be heard. So if that does that make any sense? Like you kind of no, it does. Yeah, you kind of need it that does. person to go extreme. I almost think of it a bit in the way of um, so like when Sarah Wilson first you know took the whole I quit sugar message out there and like to the whole world like her stance was extreme. Even though if you yeah. actually dug deep into what she was saying, it it wasn't at all. But it all wasn't. Yeah. but all they saw was quit sugar. Everyone needs to quit sugar. And her, so her stance was seen as extreme. And I just think. It's so ironic now that, you know, but you needed her to say that because we had Dave Gillespie, who is the author who um, authored Sweet Poison. So his book had been out for years before Sarah 
kind of made I Quit Sugar very a mainstream kind of conversation. Um, so he'd, his book had been out for years, but it hadn't caused a ruckus. Mm. Whereas Sarah caused a ruckus, you know, polarized a lot of people. And now today the conversation is, well, duh, of course sugar's bad for you. Like we shouldn't be having it. And, yeah. and yeah, so it's, you know, if Sarah had just accepted that, you know, of, you know, people are just, this is how we've eaten for years and years and I'm not going to change people's minds in this regard. Yeah. We wouldn't be having this very useful conversation that we're having these days around, you know, additives in food and, and sugar and, having more mm. useful conversations about fats and good fats and vitamins. Like, yeah, I just find it interesting, yeah, where we are. And I kind of look at um, our friend Alex Stewart who um, blogs at Low Tox Life and has the Low Tox Life podcast. You know, so she in her – so she's not extreme in her message and in being kind of middle ground with her message – like I've changed a lot of my thinking in that regard. Like before I was like, ah, you know, we grew up with these chemicals, you know, well, I grew up shampooing my hair with this and I grew up using this clean stuff and I'm fine. Um, yeah. So my kids will be fine too. And now because of the conversation Alex has started through her non-acceptance of like, you know, this is just how things are guys and yeah. we just have to, we'll just keep going on the same path. Like she's really changed my mind in that regard. So Mm. Yeah. Like the world absolutely needs people to disrupt things. Like absolutely, 100%. I think we owe so many positive shifts in the world to people like Sarah Wilson and Alex Stewart and people who are standing up and say, actually, I'm not okay with this and you shouldn't be either for these reasons. But I also think the interesting thing about someone who is, you know, outspoken and, and refuses to accept on a particular topic, like no one can carry that through every thread of their life either. Yeah. You know, I think if you're going to choose something to be non-accepting of, then choose it and commit to it and go all in on it. But I don't think that you can you can have that approach to everything in your life. Otherwise, I think maybe you just become a contrarian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then people don't listen to you because it's just like if you say, you know, if I say red, you say black. If you say yeah, blue, you say green. Right. And it's just like, well, we can't have a useful conversation people, you know, here. Exactly. We all know people like that. We know people who are who simply want to be argumentative yes. and at some point you stop listening to what they're saying. Um, you know, even if sometimes what they're saying is worth listening to, because I think when it's just 100% non-acceptance, then it's, it's, it's baffling. You can't have a conversation, you know, uh, but similarly with someone who literally has no opinion of anything, yes. <laughs> I can't talk to you about anything either because you're just going to nod and smile or, you know, you go with the flow or agree with whatever I'm saying and then turn around and agree with someone else who's saying the exact opposite because that's just what we do. So I think like so many things, there's, there's got to be kind of a, a balance and a meeting in the middle. And then, uh, you know, if there's an extreme to one end or the other, because there's some things that I literally don't care enough about to have an opinion on. Yeah. I think that's great. <laughs> I think that's a really nice way to be in some in some things, you know, and you've got to figure out for yourself what that is what's worth having an opinion about and what's not. Like I don't have an opinion about nail art, for example. Yeah, jamboree. Do not involve me in a jamboree conversation. I would just look no, at you like, very I just, blankly. No, I just genuinely don't care. That's fine. You, you, like, you go on with your bad self. You go for it. But I have zero opinion on it, you know, whereas there is other things that, you know, I, I really am very opinionated on. That light on, you are. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we need that. I think it's so – I guess what you're describing there is knowing what you stand for, isn't it? Yeah. And like so we can't stand for everything and we can't stand for nothing. 
And of course, this is as always, and with everything we talk about comes back to values, but is doing that work around, all right, well, what do I stand for? And if I know what I stand for, then I know what I really care about and I know what's worthy of my energy and passion and what things I'm just going to have to let slide. Because and, mm. and, and, and this is when we have to look at it on both a, a micro and macro level. So I kind of, you know, so within my own personal life and my own things that I want to achieve and my own dreams for my little family unit, like, I have to know what I stand for in that regard. And like say this year I had to recalibrate and go, come on, what do you stand for? You stand for being there for your kids both before and after school. And like that was kind of something I had set down for myself a few years ago. And then I kind of let that not slip, but it became less of a priority. And then I've kind of had to this year go, right, remember that that's something that you really stand for is that being available to your kids Mm. in the afternoons and before school um and that's something you're very very strong on um you need to do something about things that are happening in your life that are taking you away from that you know that really core value and then on a macro level going okay well I can care about the environment I can care about um how we you know how we farm food or you know there's so many things I can care about here and do but I can't care about everything. So say, you know, I care about animals. And if I think too much about what's happening to the animals that I eat, I wouldn't eat them. Yeah. But in the context of everything that I stand for in life, I kind of have to set that one aside and accept that I just let that sit there for now. And yeah. and that might change. This is the other thing that, you know, we have to get comfortable with is that accepting something right now doesn't mean that that's something that you will always do. Like you might have to go, look, I'm accepting this in the moment, but further down in your life, you might get to a, you know, a season of your life where you get to stand for that thing now that we, you didn't have that opportunity before. Exactly. Yeah. And I really like what you said about having like acceptance of, of particular things. Yes. Or, you know, rallying against particular things. Yes. But also acceptance of the fact that there are things that you really will not stand for. Yeah. And there are things that you really don't. And I, I think in that, in the acceptance of that as a, as a whole, there's peace. Yeah. You know, I think accepting that I can't stand for everything. I can't, I can't give all my time and all my energy to all the things uh, and accepting that there are certain things that just aren't there for me is is really I don't know, I don't know there's a real freedom there's a real lightness in that for me uh, and I think from that freedom and from that lightness and from that acceptance you can then start to really drill down on the things that do matter um, you know which is where I think the the balance between yeah acceptance and and frustration and <laughs> action yeah yeah well, exactly exactly and also you know because. People will challenge you in your life as well about the things that you have accepted. Like my brother challenges me all the time. He's like, the world is a corrupt place. Like, you know, the politicians are corrupt and they're doing this and they're doing that. And he's like, how can you live with yourself (laughs) Um, Mm. knowing this and not doing anything about it? And I'm kind of like, I look at him and go, well, easily because fundamentally, you know, on a macro level, our country is run well. Fundamentally, mm. I understand that if you're going to be a politician, 
you're going to have to make decisions that are at odds with your core values and I wouldn't be a politician for the world and I'm just happy I live in a country where, you know, okay, corruption exists at all levels but generally speaking we're not a corrupt country and Mm. I'm going to accept that and be happy with it right now because I'm fighting this battle over here. Exactly. And that battle is far more important. It's far more important to me that that we understand what's going into our food because what's going into our food is causing health issues and allergies and behavioural issues. And I am passionate about educating people about that rather than, yeah, trying to fight, you know, trying to keep track of which politicians said this thing and then went back yeah. on that promise when you know, they did this. Like, I, I just can't. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's just a matter of figuring out what you do stand for and and what can fall by the wayside for the time being and yeah accepting of course then that that can change thank you for listening to this episode of let it be if you want to connect with kelly or myself you can find us on social media kelly is at kelly exeter on twitter and on facebook if you search for a life less frantic you will find her there and on uh, twitter i'm at brooke mccallery and on facebook i'm at slow your home and uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag letitbepod or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.